Helping us all understand how we can make an environmental difference. This is KCLR's Ecological with Brian Redmond. Yes, you're very welcome along to this week's edition of Ecological, episode three in our series looking at the environment and how we can all make small little differences in our daily lives to try and tackle the big challenge of global warming and the environment in general. Today, it's all about food. Ireland generates, listen to this, in the region of one million tonnes of food waste per year. Worldwide, that figure is estimated to be around 1.3 billion, yes, I said billion tonnes of food waste. Food waste alone is responsible for 8% of the world's global carbon emissions. The cost to Irish householders is somewhere in the region of 700 euros per year. And if the world population continues to grow at the rate of current growth, by the year 2050, we will need three planets to sustain food production. Three planets. <laughs> Unbelievable. So do stay with us over the next hour. We've got lots of great guests giving you little hints and tips along the way. It's all about food today on Casey Laura's Ecological. Oh, there you go. That ended it quicker than I was expecting, but at 12 minutes past six o'clock, as I said, this week's ecological focus is on food and food waste. And I'm joined in studio by Helen Dimitriou, co-owner of Thrive Cafe in Tullow, who are making huge strides, not only to reduce their own carbon footprint, but also to reduce and educate the usage of local people in the area of Tullow. Good evening and thanks for popping into us, Helen. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're very welcome along. Um, tell us a little bit, first of all, about your story and uh, what was the madness that sort of encouraged you to get involved in Thrive? Um, it's a story that goes back a number of years. Um, we're open four years now, actually, there a few weeks ago, so that was a big celebration for us. Um, I would say about 12 or 13 years ago, myself and my sister always talked about opening up a cafe and having a health cafe and I actually was living and working in Kilkenny here and um, we bought a little notebook and we called it Leafy Greens and we were going to write recipes and travel the world and see what kind of foods and interests that we wanted to have and fast forward those 12 years later as I said we travelled, Lorraine studied nutrition, I studied hospitality management and worked in retail around the world and we came home and found ourselves in the kitchen together we were looking to go into the farmer's market in Carlo, but then our little premises became available in Tullow, so we just said, okay, let's give this a go. We were actually doing cooking courses at the time at yeah. home, so we were like doing nutritional courses, teaching people how to cook from home and giving them little tips and trips and tricks um, on how to cook easily and efficiently and reducing waste as well while doing it. So then we opened up the cafe and yeah, that's where we all started. So it was the perfect little storm really, wasn't it? Because you had your sister Lorraine who was a qualified nutritionist. As yes. you said, you'd been travelling all over the world, probably having culinary experiences <laughs> from here, there and yonder. Um, and you had that interest as well. But there was something you were telling me off air as well about another family member who sort of helped formulate how important food is to us all as well. Tell us about, about, your, about your brother. Yeah, so I have a brother, myself and Lorraine, I have a brother called Patrick and he has special needs. He's 35 and 
we grew up with a mother at home who gave her all to uh, Patrick and his nutrition. So really from a young age, we saw the importance of food in the diet. And he is thriving. Like he is so healthy. He's got the clearest skin. Like he Mm. can't walk or talk, but he is fighting strong. He's never in hospital. He's at home in the back. They have a lovely log cabin at the back where he has his own carers and stuff. So yeah, we really saw from a very young age the importance of food in the diet. Well, there's a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine who's got um, cystic fibrosis. Um, ah, sure, I'll tell you his age. He's he'd be fifty-one this year, which makes him the eighth oldest CF survivor wow. in the world. Wow! Because um, obviously, generally, life expectancy with CF, particularly for people who would have had it back in the seventies, wouldn't have been that long. But he also attributes um, control of his diet as being one of the major reasons yeah. why he's uh, he's had the longevity and still healthy and flying around the place and That's and amazing. doing everything. So, you know, you've got those examples in your life, and I've got them in my life as well. But uh, set up thrive. How important was that sort of ecological approach? to your ethos in terms of when you were actually originally setting up? Or was it just a cafe that sort of became that type of thing because of your own background? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. Like, it was always at the forefront. It was there. We wanted to open up a cafe. We wanted to make sure it was sustainable. We always had an interest. Like, we're from a farming background, so we kind of wanted to look at different ways of doing things as well. So, um, and even making little changes on our farm and, you know, trying to implement them. Because you produce a lot of your own products, don't you, in terms of ingredients and vegetables, I'm presuming, and stuff like that. Yeah, and our brother is an organic farmer as well. So, like, those gorgeous organic strawberries um, during the summer, celery, we make our own sauerkraut from his beautiful red cabbages. They're in season at the moment. And carrots, potatoes, all of those lovely, gorgeous root vegetables as well. Mm. So, and he's definitely adding to it. He's a young guy, but he's very passionate about it all and looking at farming in a different environment. And our dad, for his age, is actually very open with a growth mindset to it all as well. Yeah. So, so you've got all that sort of background as well. But then when mm. it, if I as a customer step into Thrive, what am I going to see? I'm going to see obviously fabulous teas and coffees and, you know, that type of stuff. But you've also got a selection of different menu options that yeah. range from, you know, stuff for probably people with vegan diets or vegetarian diets or people that just want to try stuff as well. Yeah. But apart from all that stuff that I can eat in store, you also sell a range of products that we can take away that are sold sustainably and ethically, aren't they? Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. We... Uh, from toothbrushes and toothpastes, you know, in the glass little jar and you dip your toothbrush in and, you know, so therefore you can reuse those jars again. You're not using as much plastic, you know, it's just cutting out plastic wherever we can. So we also have set up a small refill store as, as well. Um, it's a little passion project of mine. When I lived in Holland, it was everywhere and it was something I always wanted to bring to the forefront of the cafe. So it was great to start to introduce that. And a really good thing I find as well about the refill store is because we're a wholesaler, we can buy the products at a really good price and they are organic. Yep. So we can pass on those great prices to the consumer as well. So you can bring in your glass jar or your container and we can fill it up for you and then just uh, charge you from there. So there's a few different ways or we do like um, our own homemade granusely as well, which is not a granusely. Granusely? Yes. Go on, what's a granusely? <laughs> so it's all the niceness of a granola and all the niceness of a muesli put together. But like that, it's made of organic oats and it's got uh, pecans, flax seeds, all those really good nutritional morning Give you a kick for the start yeah, of the day. Get you going for the day and then we just add it in. But you can buy, bring in your glass jam jar 
or whatever container you want and we'll refill it for you and you can go home and make it yourself I love I, lo- I love the imagery of that it's got connotations of a time before my time thankfully probably going back to the 40s and 50s and 60s where people walked in with their shopping bag and all the produce just went into the shopping bag yeah. they weren't all bagged separately uh, we're talking to Helen Dimitriou from Thrive Cafe um, about living sustainably and it's all about food here on KCLR's Ecological this, uh, this evening we're going to be talking about little tips and tricks that Helen can give us to implement the type of stuff that they do and thrive into maybe our home a little bit as well and later on we'll be joined by somebody who's known as the compost doctor our very own uh, Craig Benton will be joining us because he'll be telling us all sorts of little tips and tricks to deal with composting so do stay with us here on Ecological Making sense of our impact on climate change KCLR's Ecological in association with La Hearts Volkswagen discover the all-electric Volkswagen ID range at La Heartsvolkswagen.ie Yeah, 21 minutes past 8 o'clock. You're very welcome back to Ecological here on KCLR. Myself and Helen Dimitriou from Tribe Cafe in Tuller. We're talking about all things food today. That name, where did it come from? It's not. That's not a Tullow name, of no, course. No, it's not a Tullow name. Uh, well, Helen is, but... but. It's a Greek Cypriot. Greek Cypriot. Yeah. And is there, is there? I presume, obviously, there's a, a husband or a wife somewhere that's got yeah. a Greek Cypriot name. Yeah, my husband. <laughs> Your is, husband. Yeah, his grandfather is Greek Cypriot. Yeah, and does that influence some of the some of the menus up at Thrive sometimes? Do you know, actually, it's really funny because his dad actually had a chain of restaurants in London. Right. So it's actually lovely to share that passion and that yeah. conversation and, you know, sharing recipes and talking about, you know, his experience and talking over food it's, it's a lovely thing to, to have in share. common together yeah yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. grandfather or grandfather father-in-law and daughter-in-law sharing yeah. it that way so, like the Allens <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking a little bit about obviously the inception of Thrive and yourself and mm. your brother and your sister and the, the whole family story with the farming background and the fact that your brother your other brother is involved in production today and things like that as well um, so what have we got that you've learned over your time in Thrive that we could implement into our daily lives you've already talked about um, you know going up and buying those produce that you offer in bulk mm-hmm. rather than yep. buying them in bags. So jars seem to be a, <laughs> a, a big part of your life. To, to, to explain to you, first of all, Helen's come in with a selection of stuff today. She's got jars of various different sizes. She looked a bit sort of like Matilda, um, first of all. She's a jar that's half full of water. And we was like, is that a vinegar or something like that? No, <laughs> it's, it's water. actually water. <laughs> Yeah, I just find a glass jar of water really handy. And if you ever see me in the gym in Tolo, in Valhalla, I will have my glass jar <laughs> of water. Um, it doesn't spill. And I know most bottles don't spill anyway, because that's the whole point of them. I just find it really handy. Yeah, but you think about it, reason. right? So I, I, I've got this Plastic. little, I've got this little thing with the likes of the keep cups and stuff. Mm, and it tries to be pretty good. You know, I've got a, a stainless steel keep cup that I use for my coffee and I've got a plastic one that I use for when I'm drinking other stuff mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it's still metals and plastic that had to be produced somewhere and yet I'm probably buying glass jars that might have beetroots in them or jams in them that I'm then throwing out yeah so and that's the thing and like I have like yourself I've got three different kind of keep cups as well <laughs> I've got a big one for tea I've got a small one for a coffee and then I've a third one just for kind of having around for a matcha or something but I just find the jam jar and we I've put coffee into the jam jars even in the cafe because I'm like if you bring any kind of vessel 
you know, we'll to the put cafe stuff in it. that we can we can put stuff in it. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. even give you a discount. But the funny thing is, like, I see you drinking out of a jam. I think coffee out of a jam jar, yeah. and yet then when I think about it at home, oh, I've got fancy glasses that I put fancy coffee glasses. If you get a latte, you're going to get it in like, a yeah. glass jar, isn't it? In effect, it's exactly the same thing. And you're not putting boiling boiling in it yeah you know so you don't have to really worry about that like obviously you always put the metal in but i would i don't want to make in a coffee with it because it, it's not like boiling okay you're doing that nice lukewarm coffee. so that's a tip might be a tip too far for some people yeah, but what are the st- <laughs> <I get> that. <laughs> what are the stuff that you do do you do in your own life that maybe listeners at home could take on and and try i one thing i love is the freezer mm. Um, I actually invested in a chest freezer, yeah. upped my freezer space this year. I find it brilliant. And I mean, like, you know, we do a scrap attack kind of Sunday sometimes and like, look what's in the fridge. So I, I guess what you mean by a scrap attack, but tell everybody else what okay, a scrap attack is. Okay, so you is. find, you're like, okay, I have food here. I don't want to waste it. Yeah. What am I going to do with it? You can either freeze it for another day until you have a creative juice flowing and you're like, I know what I'm going to do with it. Or a scrap attack of a soup, an omelette, like something easy, quick and simple. But like I have frozen garlic, turmeric. I've actually frozen cheese. You know, I kind of feel like, mm, might be going out a little bit. I know <laughs> it sounds so wacky, but stick it on the grill but I suppose on a yeah, like, toast and it's perfect. Yeah, if you're going to if you're going to have it, as you said, a toasted sandwich or mm-hmm. you're going to have a pasta dish that you might want to grate some cheese over, Yeah, it's, it's going to be grand, isn't it? It is. And I've tried it. Like, I wouldn't, you know, do these things without trying it. You know, and I wouldn't do it. We don't do, like, freeze cheese in the cafe. I'm just <laughs> talking about, you know, we would use it. And that's where we are smart with our menu. We change our menu weekly in the cafe to, you know, cut out waste. But... Back to the home thing, I kind of really looked at this over lockdown. You know, you had those times when we couldn't go anywhere except into our kitchen presses and clean and go into our gardens. And I have a jar of coconut desket in front of me, right? And I was like making my daughter's birthday cake. Coconut desiccate is not something I would use all the time in a weekly ingredient, but I was finding bags of it at the back of yeah. the press and like there's coconut desiccate all over the shelves and I was like oh my god I can't keep cleaning this you know and it's like full of everything so you're like clean that out put it into a glass jam jar write the date on it if you want and it's going to last longer than a glass jam jar because it's airtight long, and you're not it? getting all the tastes from the other herbs and spices in easier to see and it actually sometimes makes me I'm like oh that's there let me use it yeah. you forget about it when it's way at the back so the first major tip for you uh, apart from the glass jars is the what did you call it the the, the something attack again was it what did you call it the snack attack or the oh, oh scrap attack the scrap attack scrap yeah attack. yeah the scrap attack yeah. see I have a problem with that right I need to go I'm close but I'm not quite there yet mm-hmm. I need to go one stage further I've been very good probably in the last year at sort of saying this Three half plates of dinner there. That's probably a dinner and a half or three lunches for somebody yeah. tomorrow. And I'll scrape them off and put them into a plastic container. But you know what the fatal mistake is? I put it in the fridge. Yeah. And then the following day, only happened to me today, got a text message from my wife saying, that, that pesto pasta that you put in the fridge last night for your lunch today, it's still in the fridge. Yeah. So I should be putting that stuff probably straight into the freezer. And like there's certain things like obviously you have to be careful of as well, you know, with that like rices and different things. Like So you have to kind of know a little bit as well, but... Absolutely. I just think you can turn it into a salad on another day. You know, yeah. if you're not feeling like you're, the, nobody wants to eat that pasta, like just 
reuse it in in some other way like like a lovely pasta pesto salad with like tomatoes and a bit of fresh greens yeah. like there so you go up the freezer space up and get stuff into the freezer yeah, yeah yeah and get stuff yeah. in there I mean organising the freezer as well is probably a big big part of it because yeah. I mean you know unless you're a party party household who needs like four square foot of ice cubes you know no, you're not going to no. use them that <laughs> often yeah or you've got the bottom part where you've got three half tubs of ice cream that you're probably not going to use get rid of one or two but of them use the containers again <laughs> yeah use the containers again you can put the kids crayons into them or something like that or paint, paint. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah absolutely so lots of options there from that point of view in terms of use the freezer um, do you, you you mentioned it there a moment ago I mean you do need a little bit of knowledge in relation to food because at the end of the day we've got to be careful with it yes. we're talking about food waste we're talking about reducing food waste but we don't want to get to the point where we're poisoning ourselves either yeah. is there good sorts of books out there and I'm now throwing this at you sort of left field or resources or stuff like that you could probably find stuff online that would give you a good guide as to what you can freeze and what you can't yes 100% and food safety actually is a really good website that yeah. one that we have it's Irish based it's really good very easy read and understand and I think some things that are confusing sometimes and maybe read up on it, use by and best before. Even understanding them, you know, a use by getting that general knowledge in your head. Some things can, might not be the nicest, yeah. but, you know, it might lose a little bit of flavour or taste or it mightn't be their best, but they can still be used. Yeah, so, so the difference between a best before best and a before used and by, a use don't by. necessarily yeah. bin stuff just because it's past its best before. before. Yeah, but used by, yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah, get it in the freezer no. a couple of days beforehand or just Like accept. the cheese, like I'm saying the cheese, you know, that, I know it's going to go, I don't want to lose it, I know I'm not going to use it in the next few days, you know, we're going away or whatever it might be, put it in the freezer. So you've got this extra chest chest freezer probably out in the shed or maybe it's in your main kitchen, I don't know. Oh yeah, it's uh, it is. <laughs> is it in the kitchen, is it? No, it's actually in a room off the kitchen, it's just a freezer, <laughs> like nothing else goes with a freezer, but anyway, yeah. And uh, would it be full most of the time? It is. It do you is. find here's a question for you? This is sort of like from a, from a man that's married to a wife who loves to be organised. Do you find that stuff goes into that freezer and then just lives there forever and ever and ever? It doesn't come out. Yeah, it, there are times with certain things that it does, but I am on top of that. Like I I do I am aware of what it is, what's in it. Yeah. So even having a little list, like it is a whiteboard marker your freezer. Yeah. So like to the side again it's not very fancy but just writing kind of what's in it <laughs> because you can forget what's in it but yeah. using that just as a whiteboard never thought of that yeah it's it's a handy little it's trick a to have. Little idea. Yeah. how much waste would you say you generate at home i would food waste now say food waste yeah. very little I have never measured Have you it. got one of those brown bins that you you put out? Or we do all our own compost. You do your own compost. Well, so we've, composted free, we've composted everything from the cafe since we opened up four years ago. Okay, so you yeah. haven't, in effect, thrown away a no. single bit, as in gone into landfill no, gone or gone into, into the rubbish. tunnel or gone back out into the farm. Well, that's very interesting because joining us after the break, Craig Benton of Benton Ecological Solutions and Technologies, he's known as Dr. Compost. So he is an absolute expert in composting. If I, if I had a thought about this in advance, I could have come up with some sort of composting quiz and I could have put the two of you head to head. <laughs> oh, I don't want to, to go against the doctor. <laughs> I never want to go against the to doctor. To see who knows the most about composting. Will you stay with us till the end of the show? Absolutely. And we'll have a little bit of a chat later on. You're listening to Ecological on KCLR. It's Brian Redmond with you right the way through until 7 o'clock. Just gone half past six. And as I said, if you're interested in knowing more about composting, whether it's because you want to reduce your food waste or whether maybe you're a bit of a guy gardener and you'd like a bit of extra compost do stay with us because as I said Craig Benton Dr. Compost is coming up after this break 
KCLO. Yeah, you're listening to Ecological and KCLO. It's coming up on 25 minutes to 7 o'clock. If you've been listening since 6, I'm joined in studio by Helen Dimitrio from Thrive Cafe. And now also I'm joined on the line by somebody who's known as Dr. Compost, Craig Benton of Benton Ecological Solutions and Technologies. Well, Craig has been the lead master composter trainer with StopFoodWaste.ie since the programme began and is now, now the facilitator for the greater Dublin area. He's an expert in both home and commercial composting. Originally from the US, he started training composters way back in Seattle in 1984 before moving to Ireland in 2003. And over his career, Craig has trained over 1,000 people in composting and food waste prevention. Good good evening. I was going to say good afternoon. Good evening and welcome along to Ecological, Craig. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, first of all, I'm learning more and more about um, what's going on within the environment as the series continues, because the whole premise of this particular show is the fact that, although I'm conscious of what I need to do, and I do try to do my best, I know very, very little. So I have experts like you on to try and help me, and indeed all the listeners, try and learn something along the way. Composting was something that I thought was so simple to do that you just took your own grass clippings and anything that you thought would rot over time and threw it into the back corner of a garden and saw what you end up with a couple of months later. But it's obviously a lot more than that, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, there are five essentials of composting that people need to pay attention to 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 get it right. Um, If you're trying to compost grass cuttings or food waste on their own, all you'll end up is with a slimy, gooey mess And so you really need to pay attention to balancing the ingredients, making sure there's sufficient moisture, keeping it aerobic, uh, cutting things up. So because the smaller the pieces, the faster they'll decay and getting a little critical mass going so that the process sustains itself. Yeah, because my only experience really of composters up till now has been maybe back in my younger days when we would have moved into a house that we might be renting, let's say, and the previous tenant had a composter down in the back corner of the garden. You go down and cut the grass and you think, oh, look at the state of that lump of stuff in the back corner. And that sort of put me off. But does it always have to be a messy experience in that way? No, absolutely not. And I think basically when uh, the local authorities uh, gave away these plastic compost bins. They didn't educate people on sort of how to operate them. So people basically just took stuff from the kitchen and threw it in. I call it a little dump and run. Um, they opened the lid, held their nose, uh, you know, emptied their bucket into the bin and expected it to compost. The food waste is just too wet. It's 80 to 90 percent water. And so we need to break it up with other things like leaves or bush trimmings or any other materials to help it sort of balance the nutrients and, and dry it out a bit so that the aerobic bacteria that are responsible for composting can break the material down into a lovely compost product. Okay, so let's start then with the basics. So if, first of all, in terms of location, should it be a location that's in sunlight or out of sunlight in terms of selecting the location to put your compost pile into? Now, that's a great question, and I've been to a lot of schools lately where they put their plastic composter in the sunlight, and it's dried the materials out, and they haven't been successful in making compost. So I recommend that folks put their composter in a shady location, all right? Oh, there's plenty of shady locations around KCLR, let me tell you that. (laughs) Yeah. The main thing is, remember this, is that the bacteria that are responsible for composting live in the film of moisture that surrounds each particle. Now, we don't want it too wet, but yet we don't want it dry because all life 
needs uh, air and some water to survive. Okay, so we need air circulation as well, and that's where I think I think the word that you use was agitation or something like that to try and you can't just stick it in a pile and leave it sitting there. You've got to mix it in effect, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing is if you get a good mix in the beginning uh, of sort of green and brown materials, and this is only important when you're doing grass cuttings or food waste. If you get a good mix, you can put it in a pile and let it sit. Um, if you turn it, it just helps the process and speeds it up a little bit, but it's not necessary to make compost. You see, that would have been a little bit counterintuitive to me. I would have nearly thought I was better off to just create the pile and leave it alone, but you're saying it does need to be mixed, and you also mentioned about trying to cut stuff up a little bit before you... I mean, if you're going to take a big lump off a tree, it's, it's going to take years and years and years to break down. So being aware of the stuff that you're putting in is key for sure. Is there any other additional elements that you put in though to encourage composting and the breakdown to happen more quickly? Are there enzymes or anything like that that you can buy to encourage that process to happen to its best? No. Uh, All the bacteria you need come with the materials uh, and they're ever-present in our environment. All we're doing is creating the right environment for those uh, bacteria to take off. And to go back to the point you were making about size, I like to tell people that their composting begins when you're gardening. So as you're pulling stuff up or trimming things, to cut them up into four, six, eight-inch pieces really helps because the smaller the particle, the faster it will decay. It's like a block of ice. If you put a block of ice in the sun, it could take a day or two to melt. But if you take a hammer and break it up into small pieces and spread it out, it could melt in an hour or two. And it's the same thing with composting because composting happens from the surface inward. So if we, get, we create more surface area, we're going to have more um, area for the bacteria to work on and break the material down. Okay, so go back to the food waste thing, because that's obviously one of the things that we're talking about predominantly on this evening's show as well. You mentioned the fact that, generally speaking, the water content in food waste is probably too high to compost well. Would I be right, though, in saying that there would be certain food, certain elements that we eat that could compost well? Like, for example, I presume salad leaves would compost well, would they? Yeah, I mean, everything is a matter of, of, of mixing. I mean, if you were to compost just salad leaves, yeah, you're going to probably get a little gooey mess. Uh, but if you mix them with other materials, again, variety is the spice of a compost pile's life. <laughs> so if you get a good variety, then you're, then you're going to be flying. All right, so food waste has uh, 80 to 90% water content. So if you mix it with leaves or with bush trimmings or with other... Uh, garden plants, uh, weeds, or or plants that are chopped up a little bit, then you can be successful in composting. So you're balancing the moisture level in the pile and and providing air space to allow air to, to naturally flow passively through the pile. Okay, well, I mean, Helen, as I said, is here from Thrive Cafe, and Helen has said that since day one, which I think is three or four years ago now. Helen, you've been composting all that food. Has Helen, has that been a challenge for you as a business to find a mechanism by which to do that? Because I, my initial thoughts would be the likes of the county councils, and it's not, I'm not you know, knocking them, but it's like, why are you going to have a pile of waste out the back of your commercial premises? Was there challenges in terms of setting up the business that way? Yeah, like... Well, we don't have any of that access in the town, so we bring it all home. Okay. So we built um, compost buckets, like bins, not even bins, they're like walls. Yeah. And then we put like pipes in to let the air in and out, and then segregated wire, so kind of 
you fill up one side, you keep rotating it, you agitate it, you let it go, you the worms and everything in there, you've got your mix. As Craig is saying, like we would put like at the bottom as we started, we would put a bit of dung and a bit of straw and just every time you add something to it we were agitating it. Yeah. And then we'd move on to the next pile. Like they're big drums, they're up in my sister's house, Lorraine's and in my own and we rotate between us. Yeah. So it's well, a massive job. Craig, one of the things that Helen was saying off air when I was explaining that you were coming on is that she'd love to meet you and love to learn more. But based on what she said though so far, is she on the right track in terms of a business? Absolutely. I mean, number one, she's saving money from uh, having to pay to get rid of it, mm-hmm. either in a brown bin or in the black bin. So, I mean, that's that's expensive. And number two is that she's creating a lovely compost product that she can use back in her garden even maybe even to grow food that goes into the restaurants. So yeah. there's a, there are a number of, of hotels and other areas or restaurants that are actually composting the food with, with other materials, of course, and then returning that compost into their growing beds to grow fresh herbs, salads, um, other veg that can be then easily sold in, in, in the restaurant. So I think she's uh, I think she's spot on. Actually, she's doing a really great job. But you you obviously consult with both you know homeowners and commercial business owners as well. Um, but are there any challenges for business owners out there in terms of that you know that you've come across in terms of your know, interaction with you know things like planning laws that you know might be completely unaware of the fact that a business wants to make compost out of its waste? Well, you know you can't be doing that. You know, are we set up as a nation to be able to deliver higher rates of of, of composting food waste and and, and general organic matter um, across the country or are there some challenges out there? Uh, yeah, there are challenges. Um, basically, uh, you need somebody who's passionate and wants to take responsibility and learn about composting. It's not difficult, but you need to practice with it. You can experiment with it. It is fairly flexible in terms of, you know, you make a little mistake, it's not going to it's not going to end. You're not going to make compost. So that, that's one area. The other area is around the whole regulatory system. If, you're, if you are composting materials from a site and you're using those materials back on the site, no, there's no planning or other animal byproduct or other uh, permitting issues. Um, it's only when you import waste or export the final compost that you can get into a little bit of trouble. And when you say export, do you mean out of the country's borders or mean out of the premises no, itself? Out of the premises itself. So it, as long as you're keeping everything on site, you're fine. Yeah. And, 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 and it's all sort of self-contained. Uh, the, the worry really is to sort of trying to compost uh, animal products like meat and bones and things like that. And I don't recommend that for on-site at home or for businesses. They should probably just stick to plant-derived materials. Uh, and then that also kind of keeps you out of trouble in terms of odors or flies or or, or mice uh, and, and rats and things like that. So it's very important to sort of keep those materials out of the system so that you can, uh, you know, minimize any, any nuisances or odors or flies or, or rodents uh, that, that would be attracted to that, you know. Yeah, and Helen, you've obviously got that sort of experience as well. Yeah, and actually that's a really funny thing because I know we were saying that we recycle or compost everything and then I was like, oh, well, actually, wait, we don't because when it comes to making our health kebab and stuff and we use the organic chicken from Ring Farm out the road, we 
pull off the chicken off the bone yeah. and then we actually put that into the waste yeah, so yeah, we don't yeah. compost so it's only the, only the bones that yeah, would because be because we even have some pigs well last year we have we don't have them anymore but we would have brought back some compost yeah, yeah, to yeah, them as well them. So you have to obviously be so careful with what you're doing when it comes. The to interesting thing from 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 me, Craig, is I have a brown bin at home, and we try to be as careful as we can of putting most of our food waste into the brown bin. What happens to that? Maybe I'm asking you a question that's slightly off topic, but does that become compost, or what happens to that? Does it just go into landfill? Oh no, um, the brown bin. The, uh, it depends on the waste company that uh, is servicing your house or your business, but. Uh, most of the material, if you're using, for example, Thornton's, um, it goes to their compost facility and it's turned into compost. If you use, I think it's Greyhound, it's taken up north to natural world products and again converted and made into compost. If you're working with Panda, they are associated with a biogas plant and so they're actually using a different set of bacteria to produce energy and heat and then there's a liquid digestate, which is a lovely organic fertilizer that can be spread on farmland. So all the if, if the materials are separated and collected by someone, it is going to a facility uh, for beneficial use, okay. uh, either compost or biogas. Uh, only if you put it into your black bin, then it, e- it is going either to a landfill or uh, in the Dublin area, it's being fed into the uh, waste incinerator at Ring's End. Yeah, yeah. So, really, when you think about the stuff that the food waste that does end up being put into landfill or incinerated, there's probably about three or four steps in the chain at which point that food could have been saved, for want of a better word. It could have been, you know, you could have prepared smaller portions, for example, in the first place. Then, following on from that, if you had leftovers, they could have been frozen, as Helen was telling us earlier on, to be used in a different way within the home. If they got past that point, they could have possibly, depending on what type of waste they were, be put into a home cost, composter. But if you're not into home composting or don't have the space for it, or maybe you're living in an apartment or something like that, get them into that brown bin because, as the last port of call, at least the vast majority of that food waste is being put to good use somewhere. So there's really very little excuse for us as people of the state and people of the planet to be creating these, you know, millions of tons and billions of tons on a global level of food waste that we're talking about every year, should it not? Well, that's absolutely correct. I mean, one-third of all food that's grown is wasted. Um, and, and depending on the country, in more developing countries, it's more towards the production side at the farm or the processor, where in the more developed countries, it's closer to the consumer end. Uh, and there's a lot of waste going on in Ireland. We're actually throwing away one million tons of food waste each year mm. so it is it is wasteful now one of the things i found most interesting is i went out to a bed and breakfast out in mayo near newport and they were looking at doing one of these small investor systems for composting and by the time we analyzed what they're doing and how they were preparing and serving food we found that they actually could prevent and reduce the food waste is to the point where the composter didn't make any economic sense, <laughs> yeah. and going to brown bin would actually be the best thing. And they could save by changing how they prepare and serve food. 
they could save 40,000 euro a year. Wow, when we're talking about the average Irish household possibly saving, I mean, the figure that's quoted is 700 euros a year. I would reckon we throw out, I guarantee you, a lot more than 700 euros worth of food over the course of the year in our house alone, for sure. Listen, it's been really insightful talking to you, Craig. Uh, obviously, people can find out more about the work that you do and, of course, the work of Stop Food Waste by visiting their website, stopfoodwaste.ie. Um, are there any ways, other ways, social media or anything like that, that people could reach out to you directly if they wanted to find out more? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, so if you want to just drop me a little message on LinkedIn, um, I'd be glad to help anyone out, uh, give them some advice or, or have a chat. So that's that's a good way to get a hold of me. Well, it's been really interesting to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today on the Ecological Show here on KCLR. That's Craig Benton of Benton Ecological Solutions. Helen, you're going to stay with us, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, okay, we've uh, just gone nine minutes to seven o'clock. The Farm Show with Matt and uh, Martin is coming up after seven. But stay with us and we'll see if we can get one or two more tips out of Helen before she heads off into the night sky. Making a change for good. KCLR's Ecological. In association with La Hartz Volkswagen. Discover the all-electric Volkswagen ID range at lahartzvolkswagen.ie. Now, it's seven minutes to seven o'clock. You're listening to Ecological on KCLR with Brian Redmond. And keeping me company all this hour has been Helen from Thrive Cafe. Helen Dimitrio. Um, we're nearly done, but uh, we've got a couple of other tips to give people at home in terms of, you know, dealing with waste and products. And there's certain products that, you know, we don't necessarily consume in terms of edible products, but you can store them quite well. I mean, you've one bottle over there that I wouldn't fancy drinking out no. of. It actually, it actually looks like an old bottle of holy water. The, you know the way the holy water bottles had the plat and the crown was always that blue. It's, it's like a, it's like a holy, but it's not holy water that's no, it's in there. It's not holy water. It's my holy water. It's washing up liquid. <laughs> so you do you buy your washing up liquid in bulk? Uh, yeah. Well, this is a really funny story. This bottle is over six years old. The bottle itself. The bottle itself is okay. six years old, and this is just where I actually started. Um, so, like, I do think it's it's nice to see where you can challenge yourself to save money a little bit. Um, you knock a bit of crack out of this, don't you? Yeah, because it is interesting. Like, it is. You can make fun with it. Like, <laughs> I challenge myself. Like, no one else at home is challenging. So, me. is it? Just, it's like, obviously. I would guess. I could be wrong. I guess there's probably nowhere in the country that are selling things like washing up liquid or washing powder that's not in packages. No. So you'd probably have to buy maybe like a five litre drum of washing up liquid yeah. and just rather than try dragging that out of the press every time, yeah. refill it. That's probably as good as we can get in relation to that type of stuff, isn't it? I do think it? so. And like that obviously is not biodegradable plastic either because I feel like I have it that long. It should have holes in it. But, but this is the thing though. We were talking about this regarding clothing. Yeah. Um, last week, and yeah. we were saying that it, you know, talk about fast fashion, not great. But if you buy something that is fast fashion and keep it for ten years or fifteen years, mm. well, the effects on the environment are really, really minimal. And okay, it's a plastic bottle; it's got washing up liquid in it. But as you said, you've had it for six years. I reckon most households in six years would probably have bought thirty-six bottles of washing up liquid. Yeah, and like again, like I bought this in Carlo again six years ago in Alive and Well and since then we've opened up the own, our own cafe and we sell this refill so you can refill it and I have not bought one since and that is a saving, that is a saving of plastic but also in your pocket so you can refill it, reuse it, this has 
being through the wars. I cleaned it up for the show today. You know, the cap was pretty, <laughs> pretty not as nice colour as it is right now, gleaming and shining there. But like that, they are just little tips and tricks. I might put up a photo of it later on. You should Instagram. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show but everyone we, what I'm talking we, we'll either about. find your social media pages or we'll find Thrive social media pages yeah. now, as I said. Uh, <laughs> this is all the stuff that Helen does at home. But I mean, um, things going generally well up in the cafe. Yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, really blessed with it. Just... I don't know, it's something when you're so passionate about it, yeah. it doesn't really feel like work. And I know that's a really big cliche, but you know, when you are doing what you love and we have a great team in there, oh my God, the team of people that we have make every day. I'd well believe it. I'd well believe it. And I'd say yourself and your sister Lorraine are responsible for making that team great as well. It's been an absolute pleasure having you you on Ecological this evening. Um, Bring off your jam jar and your other jam jar (laughs) and uh, enjoy your little drink of water. We'll be back with you on Ecological next Thursday evening at the same time, six o'clock, when we'll be talking about another ecological element that uh, maybe we can help you learn something or educate you a little bit more along the way. Farm Show is up after the news at seven. You're listening to KCLR's Ecological with Brian Redmond, in association with La Hartz Volkswagen, discover the all-electric Volkswagen ID range at lahartzvolkswagen.ie.